Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there. It's showtime. Picture it. Did I do that? I'm Sailor Moon, the champion of justice. The power is yours. Hey, Ryan, you got mail. Hmm, I wonder what it is. Oh my God, it's a threatening note. Really, what is it? It says, I know what you did last summer. Wait, last summer? Yeah, isn't that funny? Well, I know what I did, nothing. 2020 sucked. Ugh, let's forget about this stupid note. Shall we begin today's episode? Yeah. What are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? So welcome to this week's Radical Retro Rewind. We are in the first week of March. This is the beginning of March Madness. To come along for this fun ride is my friend Carlos, better known as Cadu, from Brazil. He was here on the Charlie's Angels episode, which is magical and is doing amazing. I have to say, I think it's this man right here. Oh, thank you so much. Hey guys, I'm back. Thank you for having me again. And I do want to mention that Carlos is a writer, storyteller, filmmaker, and the co-creator of the Avengers of Cadu and Vivi webcomic that can be found on Instagram. Yes, and we are so excited because now we're we're going to launch to new adventures. Maybe someday soon I will talk about it. I am so excited about what your future holds. When that comes through, please come back and we need to discuss your adventures. I will. 
So, okay, there is two movies that, now this is almost similar to our Charlie's Angels episode. It that is. Carlos and I truly enjoy, and it makes it even more special because Jennifer Love Hewitt stars in both of these movies. Carlos, tell us about your love of J-Love. <laughs> Jennifer Love Hewitt. Oh my god, where do I begin? She is truly my idol. I fell in love with her since I first saw I Know What You Did Last Summer back in 97 and I follow her career since. She is like so important to me. She inspired me as a kid. She inspires me now as a man, as an artist. I'm honestly inspired by each and every work that she did ever since. So I mean, I love her and I would love to create a character for her someday. Oh, and I always tease you and joke around, but I truly believe that Jennifer Love Hewitt is your friend. She's always reading your stuff, commenting back to Carlos yeah. on Instagram. To me, she is your friend. I would like to say that. <laughs> I wish <laughs> because we follow each other on Instagram and we message every now and then. She's like a sweetheart. She's so special. And if you're listening now, please follow Jennifer Love Hewitt on Instagram. She's such a doll. She really is. I mean, I feel like out of everybody, she is so relatable and so approachable. Like, so sweet and you could just tell as she yeah, she's speaks like the, when she posts she's like the perfect girl next door because she's like a friend like a sister and you feel that through her work and even on social media she posts memes and <laughs> and her, her singing in her house it's very familiar you know speaking of her singing what would you say is one of your favorite songs of hers or do you have a few favorite songs I know Bare Naked I love so much I mean, that's a classic it is. I think my favorite is probably Bare Naked and How Do I Deal? <laughs> that, oh, yeah, that is, perfect, I perfect. still know what you did last summer, soundtrack. I'm so glad they put her in that soundtrack for the second one. Yeah, not only singing How Do I Deal, but I Will Survive. I love it, yes. And it's so funny because she has to play and that character is kind of shy, that she's not really a singer, and she pulls it off so good. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's, it's so great to see the journey of the character and yes. I know she's like very shy and very consumed by guilt and and I still know she's like traumatized but she's like tough you know she's badass so yeah I like to to see the journey that's truly why I think that her character Julie James really stands out because you're right she in the first one she is more of that nervous type but also I think that's why we can really relate to her and, and like her character because she is remorseful out of everybody. I mean, even Ray isn't as... I mean, he is remorseful, but Julie truly is. You could see it on her face. Yeah, whenever people ask me, who is your favorite character and who do you relate the most? And I always say it's Julie James, not because I'm a fan of Jennifer Love Hewitt, but I think <laughs> I think it's because of the, of the concern that she has. Like, we hit a, a man, we probably killed it. We have to go to the police. And the other yes. friends are like, oh no, we're gonna pretend it never happened. And I think if I was there, I would be so consumed by guilt, you know, like, okay, we're, yes. we're gonna leave him there and pretend it never happened. So, and I have that in me, like I am the leader in the group always. I have the tendency of, okay, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that, please follow along, but not in the way like <laughs> Barry did. He is like such a douche, but I think- Yes, I he really is. Yeah, really I, I think I, I relate to her because I would do what she was trying
trying to do. That actually, okay, leads me to the perfect part of the first movie. Do you find it surprising how each character does react in that scene? So we have Sarah Michelle Gellar as Helen, we have Ryan Felipe as Barry, and we have Freddie Prince Jr. as Ray. So once they do hit the fisherman, do you, are you shocked of how easy it was for most of them just to dump this man into the ocean? No, I think it, it was believable, you know, because everyone reacts in a different way and they are responding out of shock because yes. some of them are drunk and some of them are like, oh yes. my God, we yes. just killed a man. What are we going to do? And I think it's, it's great that everyone has a different reaction. Like Julie is more, okay... Let's go to the police. And Helen's more into going to the police and then switches like, okay, no, we can't yes. do that. And Barry is like, oh my God, my dad is going to freak because I smashed a car and I'm going to be in jail because it's my car. And Ray is the one who doesn't have the money to, to deal with the legal stuff. So I think it's very real because everyone is, is connecting to the true emotion that the character would have. I know that Barry, I'm sure on some level, does have remorse. But at least with Helen, we go a year later after this event. And she, well, she went to New York, but she ended up coming back. It's truly affecting her. Ray, we find out, well, later on, you know, that he's trying to find the family of this person that they believe they hit. I mean, and Julie, oh, really, like, she comes back and her mother asks if she's on drugs because you can just see her. She's destroyed. She's so depressed. Yes. Are you on drugs? What? Yes, and I really truly think Jennifer Love brought that to that character and really brought emotion and showed the, the audience that, yes, she's feeling something. This really affected her. And that's how our lead should, should run the, the movie, you know, because if she was like, oh, I don't care, let's move on, people wouldn't be interested. You know, I think people connect, I think people connect with Julie and Helen the most because they are the charismatic one in the group and they yes. are the conscious of the group you know they are always thinking oh my god what do we did and even helen like the supermodel let's just say yes the actress and she's like concerned of what she did and i think that's why they are relatable and i think that's yes. why they are the fans most beloved characters i'm sure a lot of this has to do because it is sarah michelle geller but helen is really likable like you said as well on the surface she would seem like a very maybe a stereotype popular girl but she really does show that it is affecting her so I do really enjoy Helen as well and let's just say like 97 was Sarah Michelle Gellar's ear because <laughs> she was on Buffy she was and I know what you did last summer and Scream 2 I mean she was how did she have time I don't know how she filmed anything she must have been working continuously and iconic roles the three of them yes Helen I really to this day I believe her scene in the shop is one of my favorite scenes in that movie. The suspense. Oh, the chase scene is one of my favorites of all time. Like, slasher gold. God, what about when the fisherman is under the plastic like a mannequin? Oh my and he, god. Oh my god. Yes, yeah, so scary. So scary. And the, the atmosphere, the suspense of the of the scene, it's it's priceless. Super, super well done. So good. So, okay. So we should mention that um, Jennifer Love Hewitt was also on Party of Five with Nev Campbell. Yeah. Do you think that it was just funny that they both got 
Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer. Two brunettes, both from the same show, strong leads. I wonder if there was a friendly competition. I don't think so. As you know, I'm a huge Jennifer Love Hewitt fan. So she often speaks well about Nev and how she inspired her to do I Know What You Did Last Summer after Scream. And I think it was because it was a popular show and they saw Nev doing so well with Scream and they called Love and thought it would be a great idea. And it was. What a great idea. I'm so glad they did that. Would you say that you prefer I Know What You Did Last Summer to Scream? It's for me so hard to to compare the two because I love Scream. Let me just say that if there wasn't Scream, it probably would never have I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yes. So for me, it's impossible to choose because Scream is like one of my all-time favorite movies and Gail is one of my all-time favorite characters. Yes, yes, she is. I was going to say, I know you love your Gail. Yeah, I love Gail in in all of the four movies. I'm obsessed with her since I was a kid. I don't know if it's a tie for me. I can't choose. And not that I know what you did last summer isn't serious, but I feel like I know what you did last summer almost is a little more fun, maybe a little lighter, not as heavy and... I would think actually the opposite. I think Scream is more satirical because Scream was built to be a satire, you know? So it have, of course, the scary moments and the gore, but I think I know what you did last summer. It's more dense and more scary. It takes itself seriously and Scream, it's like comedy and horror. Yes, so true. So true. We should mention that this movie takes place on 4th of July yes, in and- North Carolina, evidently. And it's so smart to have this date attached to the movie, like yes. a 4th of July, Christmas, Halloween. And I think it's it suits well that it was a 4th of July weekend. That's right, because when we come back a year later and we are having that Helen moment at the parade and she makes it to the street and the fireworks are going off so no one can hear her scream. Yeah, it really just adds to the atmosphere of the movie. Yeah, and the to the shock of her death because every fan of the, of the movie often thinks, oh my gosh, she's going to get away with it. And yes, then she yes. dies. It's like, oh no. I will say she does better than than really anyone up into that point uh, besides Julie, you know, at the end surviving. I'm like, oh my God, because she makes it to the street. She keeps getting out. She gets out of that elevator lift thing. And oh yeah, so close Such to a tragic living, death. I don't know why, but whenever I watch this movie, I feel bad for her parents because they lost two of their daughters in the, yes! the same night because Helen and Elsa are murdered in 4th of July. God. And can we talk about how slow that Elsa opens the door for Helen. I know it's part of the element of scaring, but oh my goodness, I I would just look at the scream and say, open the door! She's really nervous. Like, she's screaming, clearly. It's not like she's joking. Yeah, and it's funny that you say that because when I was a kid, I used to play with my cousin and we were often like, (laughs) we would film each other doing the scene and we were like in the door like, Elsa, open the door, please! And the other one was pretended to be the fisherman. It was such a fun ride. Wait, who did you get to play most of the time? Were you always this equal? Yeah, sometimes I was Al- Helen, sometimes I was the fisherman, but I always liked the drama, so I was Helen. Like, Elsa, open the door! <laughs> 
It's similar to your Charlie's Angel stories on the playground. I love that. Yeah. I love hearing things like that. My childhood was so fun because I was a very creative kid and I had the fortunate to have cousins and friends to go along with my ideas. So yeah. And you are still creative. You're bringing that to today. You are such a creative person. If anyone checks out his short films and his web comics, such a creative guy. Oh, thank I you. guess this is where it all comes from, your childhood. Yeah, and it's also another funny story. When I was a kid, I was doing a play in school and it was based on Scream and it was wow. titled Scream 4 because at the time there was no Scream 4. And I was probably like 11 or 12 and I remember I did the script and I called my friend and for some reason I called some girl in our class that it wasn't like a close friend and she was, oh, okay, I want to do it. And the next day she came <laughs> back like with a sad look in her face and I was like, oh, why you're sad? And she was, oh, I, I can do your play. And I'm like, why? And she said, oh, my mom read the script and she thinks <gasps> that you have too many ideas. And at that time I was pissed, but now I think, oh, too many ideas means I'm creative. That's right, creativity. Yeah, and I, I remember being pissed at the time, but today I think that mom because I was always creative and of course it was like a little inappropriate for a kid but I, I'm not ashamed do you still have the script does it survive oh, somewhere yeah, today I have oh how fun I do oh maybe one day you could actually bring that out again and um, make something out of it yeah I have a pitch for another I know what you did last summer movie a sequel Ooh. okay so we would erase the, the number three that had nothing to do oh, with oh please I never I never watched it <laughs> and I never will because to me it's only the two part movies the third never existed so in my mind I think that's how we should keep I have to say one of my favorite lines is when they are at the dock and they throw the body again and you know they're they're getting ready to throw the body into the water and Helen's tiara goes down and she screams my tiara I don't know <laughs> why crown, I just my crown. it's so funny to me my crown! Like, they killed a man, and she's concerned about the damn crown. You know, she has the crown to pass on for the next year, but I'm telling you, I would look at that crown every- I wouldn't be able to sleep with that oh, crown next to me. I would think of that man every time I saw that crown, so wow. And since we're in the subject, I would like to go back to the accident scene, because it's a marvelous scene. It's so oh, well- it, it truly is. It's so it well shot. Is. I mean, it's the suspense, the drunk kids, and hitting the man, and you don't know what they hit. It's so well directed. I mean, bravo to the director, Jim, because it was a job well done. And then when they go to find the body and then they round the corner, Ray and Julie, and then Julie screams. Yeah, it's really, it's a great scene. Yeah, I just thought I should give a shout out to the director because it's an amazing scene. I iconic. Oh, it truly is. And you know, I always think of Ray, especially in the sequel when he is driving for a moment. Again, I, not that we're in the sequel yet, but he he's like at one point you know he's having fun in the car driving and i'm like ray pay attention to the road yeah haven't you, you learned you know anything <laughs> you know what happened the last time yeah can i also bring up Anne Hache as missy so spooky Right? Do, did you think back in the day that there was a possibility that she was involved yeah 
For sure. And I think the producers wanted us to believe that because she was such a creepy character, but had a, a sweetness at the same yes. time. She was broken yes. because she lost her brother, but she was threatening. And yes, perfectly said. I believe it Perfect. was a two day job for Anne. And I remember interviews with her saying that she had a blast because she was this creepy character. And the girls <laughs> like Julie and Helen were so bubbly and afraid of her her i think as a as an actor it must be so fun to play missy and that scene as well when they're asking for information i love how they do it like oh he has a friend right what was his name uh he he had a best friend that would come along they were trying to get the information in such a smart way yeah and it shows their friendship which i think is yes. gold because you know that they are broken you know they are not longer the best friends they used to be and one of my favorite scenes of the movie it's when they're coming back in the car and Helen's so heartbroken like oh my god we used to be best friends and Julie goes oh we used to be a lot of things oh, I could picture that a hundred percent because it's so true if you remove the accident part and the killing part it's relatable because I go back to my friends some of my friends in school yes. we don't have yes. like chemistry anymore we don't talk anymore so it's so real because in the past you used to be best friends and now you're like Like you're a stranger to the person. Exactly. Even for people, like you said, take away the murder and the killing. People do grow apart, especially if they went off to college. Yes, young adult situation. And there's another line similar to that that Julie says, which is a fantastic line. She says this to Ray. I don't blame you, but I don't want to know you either. Yeah. Oh. I because love it that. brings so many memories that it hurts her. And again, it just shows Julie's heart. This is not an easy thing. Because I feel like if we didn't have that, we would have just been like, oh yeah, these teenagers are terrible. They're, they're terrible people. Yeah, and sometimes it bothers me. For example, Valentine, the movie, I know there has a huge following <laughs> cult, but I don't like the movie because none of these characters are relatable. They are it's a terrible They movie. are terrible people. They don't feel remorse. And I think it's so hard to connect with the audience when the leads are, are bad people, you know? Such a perfect example. You were so true. Like, David Boreanaz was the only reason for that movie to exist, I feel like, just to have him on a movie. Yeah. And his characters are so unlikable. Yes. I think besides David, I think Denise Richards did a great job. But I mean, that's the only thing working for me in this movie. Even the ending is just, oh, oh. Uh, yeah. To me, it's a hard pass. Can we discuss Max's death? It was so shocking to me because I don't know if everyone knows this, but death scene of Max was reshot because oh, executive, no idea. executives, when they were finishing the movie, said, oh, we need to introduce the killer a little bit earlier to make a, a statement. So they thought it was a great idea to kill Max in that <laughs> iconic scene. I mean, I'm glad they did because it's so effective. It's very brutal. Oh, he plays that terrifying. And it's the first time that we see the weapon, the hook. Yes. You know, I will say it's similar to the scene in the second movie with Jack Black. The fear, scariness in that scene. You know, I feel like they're parallel almost. Okay, this is what I never understood. Do you think that the 
fisherman killer now at this point is just he's he will kill anybody so it really doesn't matter if they're connected to really what's happening especially when we see in the sequel like he's just killing everybody at that point yeah i think in the first movie it's like he's focused on the kids and he only killed max and the officer because it was some sort of message to them like okay i'm right. i'm here i'm gonna kill you but in the sequel i mean i think he lost it he's like full psychopath mode and kills everybody so can we mention the iconic scene with julie and i <laughs> This is when she screams her famous line and it just doesn't get any better than this, I don't think. Don't you see? He's got us now. Okay, this is exactly what he wants. We can't go to the police, not now. He's made sure of that. He's just out there and he's watching us and waiting. What are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? And the best part is that scene was directed by a kid who won a contest. Okay, I heard this, so it's true then. Yeah, Jennifer Love Hewitt confirmed in a recent interview that when they were shooting the movie, a kid won a contest and he was brought to create a moment for the movie. And he suggested that she would go to the screen, open her arms and say, what are you waiting for, huh? <laughs> and her first thought was, so oh my God, what is this kid doing? <laughs> And then it was the best part of the movie. I have to say, give it to the kid and Jennifer Love Hewitt to actually make that what that is. Yeah, I mean, you can't think of I Know What You Did Last Summer without thinking of Julie screaming, what are you waiting for? And can you picture her outfit? You could just picture the blue Everything, on her. The blue, the, <laughs> the collar. It's such a good scene. Yes. Such a good scene. And so fun for her to play. She, she'd she say that in the interview. She's like, I had a blast doing it. The end. Okay, when Julie is now running from the fishermen and they are on the boat oh. and Ray is knocked out on shore. The whole boat scene is one of my favorites because it's so creative that a suspenseful scene would take place in a boat in the middle of the sea. Yes, yes. And I think it's such a great job of both Love and Muse Watson, the actor who played Ben Willis, because they have this weird chemistry, like they're playing mouse and cat. And it's so yes. effective because I am literally terrified every time I see, because I think he's going to kill her. I'm so glad that every time she survives. Especially the ice, when she gets in with the ice and she's, oh my God, that little door. And God, I always get so nervous for her as well even though yes we know the outcome but <laughs> it's so scary it is that's so great and go back to the emotion of the character i mean she discovered the two bodies like the her oh, best friend's yes. body bodies in there yes i mean can you imagine and if you're like you are being chased by this psychopath and then you discover your best friend's body there i mean so true, so true. And because at that point, she had no idea that they both were dead. Yes, exactly. So that really is a double shock that, oh my God, not only are they both dead, but now I'm here stuck with this. Oh, yes. So good. Ugh. And okay, so the ending of the first movie. Did you think that that was a dream or prior to the sequel or did you think that oh my god julie just died no i when i watched the first time i had a feeling that it was a dream because they couldn't kill her that way you know in my head it's supposed to be like a jump scare for our next movie and i was right because not only did we have i still know what you did last summer but it's explained early 
on in the film that it was in fact a dream. Which is such a smart way of doing it as well. I'm so glad that you brought that up. Yes, they bring it up so you know that that's what that. And before we move on, I would like to talk about some some other things. Soundtrack. I mean. The soundtrack oh, of this yes. movie is amazing. So good. So Do good. you have a favorite song? Oh my god. Okay, from the first one. I like the one they have Summer Breeze playing. Yeah, I like that it's a mix between rock and like uh Yes! Like a metal gothic stuff. I think it's very soothing to the one thousand percent the movie. But if I have to pick favorite, I would say it's a tie between Hush and Tuviki. Oh, the- Hooverphonic oh, group. Oh yes, yes. Because it takes me back to the shop when Helen was chased. I still know what you did last summer. Get hooked again. So a year later, we got a sequel called I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. Now, this starts with another dream, and we are in a church, and Kadu, I know that you love this scene and how J-Love looks. Yeah, I mean, she's gorgeous. I'm amazed how much she matured since the first one. She looks absolutely breathtaking. I love the scene when she's walking down the, the church and speak to the priest. And I think it's so amazing that it's another dream and we got to see the best scream she can give. She's a, a she's an amazing scream queen. A screamer and a crier. This woman can cry amazingly. For anyone who hasn't seen her in Ghost Whisperer, she can cry amazingly. Yeah, she can. Like a Holly Marie Combs. Yeah, I agree. And and she's amazing in 911 too. Please check it out. One of your newest favorite characters, Maddie. Yeah, one of my top three characters. It's Julie, Melinda Gordon, and Maddie. All by the beautiful Jennifer love Hewitt. Yeah. So this movie, we get set up, we have Julie again, and we have Freddie Prince Jr. returning as Ray. We also have a few new characters with Brandy as Carla, Mackay Pfeiffer as Tyrell, her boyfriend, and a new character played by Matthew Settle named Will Benson. Yeah. What did you think of Will before we find out how bad he is? Did you feel that Will was going to be a villain? No, not at all. When I first met Will, I thought he was like a sweetheart, you know? He's so gorgeous and the perfect friend. I thought he would be a great addition to the cast and to the group. But later on, we discovered that he was the fisherman's son and he was... A little bit psychotic. Because I never picked up on, you know, that it was his son by his name. I, I never got that. Yeah, which is really lame that he used the Ben's son. But <laughs> I really did enjoy the part that he was the fisherman's son. And he introduced himself as a friend and got to the Bahamas with the girls. And it was all part of a bigger plan. Now that you mentioned the girls, so Brandy as Carla. She is Julie's best friend. I love Carla. She's an amazing character. I think she's just what Julie needs right now. Like this bubbly friend, she's got your back. And I think she's so fun. I think in this movie, I relate to Julie and Carla because I'm a mix of both. Carla really is the friend that you would love to have. Someone that's always trying to make you feel happy, boost you up. She's always trying to get her to (laughs) get rid of 
Ray <laughs> and and possibly date Will because she thinks that you know he would be a better fit for her and that Ray is stringing her along possibly. And she's so sarcastic. I think it's such a plus to this movie because in the last movie we got to see the friendship between Julie and Helen, but it was broken. So this time we got to see a real friendship like we got to see the friendship at its best, you know. Yes. And I do love that we got to see a picture of Helen in Julie's room in the beginning. Oh, yeah. I think that's a really nice touch to remember the first movie. So sweet. Now that we're talking about Carla as well, my favorite scene with her is the dryer with her sneakers, which does come in play later again. But I love that she knows how to catch them. It's just like her personality is so fun. It is. And I love that she is survivor as Julie. I mean, I, if I remember correctly, she's the first black lead in a horror movie to survive. I mean, come on isn't that crazy by that year and that's what 1998 yeah. at this point so surreal but i'm so glad because normally in this book we get to see one final girl in this we got to see two final girls which is amazing thankfully i would have been so upset if they killed brandy off just because of her character and for julie to lose another best friend yeah and for me the the girls are the soul of these movies i mean helen julie and carla are the best part of this franchise so i'm glad that julie got to be with her friend at the end. There is a radio contest that the girls believe that they won. And it just so happens that they're asking what the capital of Brazil is. Yeah. So when you first heard this, Carlos, were you surprised? Did you think that this was just the filmmakers being lazy? Yeah, I remember watching I Still Know in the movie theater with my mom when I was nine. I wasn't old enough to watch it because the movie was rated R. So the guy selling the ticket would not let me in but my mom said I'm his mother he's a big fan and we are watching it together so it all so it all worked out and it was a great bonding experience with my mom but yeah when they asked about the capital of Brazil and the answer was real I mean people lost it they were so pissed that a Hollywood movie would make a mistake like that but later on it was all part of an evil plan because we see Julie later on there's a gigantic wooden globe of the world and it's spinning and she goes over and she knows notices the capital of Brazil. <laughs> I just love that that comes back. Yeah, and one of the most iconic moments in the movie with Astis, Brasilia. <laughs> so creepy. So creepy. <laughs> but then it really, it, you could see that it hits them. Oh my God. Yeah. It was a plot all along. And this man is come to kill us. Even on an island. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the island. Oh, so beautiful. I thought it was a great touch to move the location from Southport to the Bahamas because it's an isolated island, so they can't run. They have to Yes. They have to make the best of their circumstance and it's bad for them. And how smart to do it that when they do get there, it turns out that they are alone because it is an off season and there's a storm coming, so it really shows that they are stuck on this island. There's no way off. A ray does find a way later on but yeah um and there's no way for any rescuing so i think it's a great idea to almost that's why I think there's such great. This is such a great sequel because it takes what's great about the first one and then brings it into a new direction and/or location, so it keeps it fresh in that sense. Yeah, and I think it, a sequel should have that. You know, it shouldn't replicate the first. It should bring the stuff that worked and show a new 
a new story. They get to the island and Carla is trying so hard to have Julie, you know, have fun on this this trip. She wanted Ray to come. He doesn't end up showing up because he is attacked by the fisherman earlier, unbeknownst to Julie. Yeah. But she's bummed. She's really bummed. You know, she's having these nightmares, but Carla puts her on the spot and makes her do karaoke. Such an amazing scene. I mean, every time I get to see Love perform, I'm excited. And it was I will survive an iconic music. And it's a great parallel of she will survive, meaning the character will survive, she's stronger, but also fun because Jennifer Love has this way of like just, just laughing and, and adding that little like shyness, cuteness to everything she does. Yeah, and I love that you point that I will survive is a testament to Julie saying I will survive. And she does, and thankfully. She does. I do have a question for you. Do you think the lyrics was intentional or it was a dream? like to play I Still Know What You Did last summer. It was the, the killer messing with the device or with some of Julie's hallucination. See, at first I wasn't sure. The only thing I can think of is later on when we do find out that Will is the fisherman's son, that possibly he was able to do something quickly. It's one of those things like, did it really happen? But she is seeing a lot of other stuff. So is it a dream? Yeah, I think if you think logically, it, it has to be a dream. Just like the, the scene in the disco when she thinks she's watching the fisherman behind her because there's no way they could could mess the device like that, especially in the 90s. Yeah, because this is the 90s. People will forget the uh, technology was not as fantastic as it is now. Yeah. Other iconic scenes in this sequel. The tanning bed scene. Oh my gosh. Oh, I love the tanning bed scene. And I have a funny story with that scene, actually. Yes. When I was in college, we had a class that was all about music, soundtracks, scores, and we had to choose a scene from a movie or a TV show and make a live performance of this scene. Muted. Muted. We would play this scene on DVD, but with no sound. We were supposed to do the sound effects, the scores, all live. So we chose the tanning bed scene from I Still Know. And we got to recreate the storm, the hook, the punches, the kicks, the scream. It was super, super fun. This is meant for you with something like this to do, to be able to act that out. Yeah, and I chose this iconic scene because it's so suspenseful. And I remember watching as a kid, I was so drawn to that because I was, I was so claustrophobic watching Julie stuck in this bed. Did you get to play Julie in this scene? No. <laughs> the reenactment? No, I was... I was playing with the instruments, you know, to create the suspense of it all. My friend was doing this, the Julie screams. Did the class really enjoy yeah, it? Yeah, they did. It was so fun. Our group was called the horror group because we were the only ones to do a horror scene. Oh, I love that. That scene, Julie screaming and really realizing that she could be burning up in there eventually just gets me every time. And, and the scene was so good that Final Destination 3 did a kind of a homage to it. But we know the original came from this movie. <laughs> yeah, don't mess with the original. Because they shoot it in a way that she's like a sandwich between the top and the bottom of the machine. Yeah. And you just see this little, like, strip of Julie. And she looks fantastic. She's in a bathing suit. She does. But I always wonder, okay, when they go in, maybe they weren't thinking because they were nervous, but I would have shut the machine off. Yeah. It's, because, you know, they had that device right there. <laughs> it's a smart thing to do. Just plug it out. <laughs> it was so close. Close too. I don't understand. But I think they were acting out of fear and shock and whatever it yes. is. Yes. 
So that's when we did see earlier, right before that, we see Carla working out. They're showing that she's tough enough that she knows some kind of, she knows some kind of- Self-defense move. Self-defense, yes, self-defense. Yeah, I think it it was a great addition to the character to be this tough chick that inspired Julie to do the same. And so that is when we get to the chase scene with Carla on the roof with the glass. Oh my goodness. One of the best moments of Brandon. I mean, this scene is so suspenseful and so terrifying. I remember being so scared for them. And it's the first time, I believe, that Julie and the fisherman meet eye to eye in in this movie. Yes. It's such a statement. And Carla falling through glass three times. And each time I'm like, is she going to survive? Will she survive? Please. Yeah. And I think it was so good to make a parallel with Helen that Helen did try to escape and unfortunately died. And here Carla did experience three times breaking glass and she survived. Wow, I didn't even think of that, but you're right, it is a parallel to Helen, but this time, surviving. Yeah. Because we all wish that Helen would have survived in the long run. Yeah, rip. Rest (laughs) in peace. So close, she was so close. So this time, we got a new version of the what are you waiting for scene, but now it's in the rain, and Julie is screaming to Ben, I'm not gonna die on this island, do you hear me? If you want me, Ben, come and get me, I'm right here. I'm not gonna die on this island. Do you hear me? The phone lines are down and the boats are gone and there's no way off this island. Yeah, then we fight. Love this scene so much. In the graveyard, there is a grave, an open grave for Julie with her name on it. And she's with her arms open and screaming in the rain. It's so, so dramatic. Again, they reuse something from the original, but they change it enough that it becomes its own iconic scene. And I love when they do that. You know, they pick some moments that worked in the first and bring back to the second one. Just like in Charlie's Angels, they use the I Love Tickets and Natalie dancing back to the sequel. I think it's so smart when they got that remember of the character. So true. Because when you think of I Know What You Did Last Summer, you're thinking of Julie screaming in that scene like we talked about earlier. And now we get the second one. And that's why I believe that this is a great sequel because it truly is like a fast-paced, fun ride. The whole entire movie. Yeah, I love both of these movies. I think it's such a statement to the slasher genre. And I think it's it's amazing that we got a sequel so, so good. So then we get to the ending of this movie, which again is a parallel to the original one where we end, Ray ends up coming to the island, him and Julie. I don't know. Are, are we supposed to believe that they got married or they're just together at some point? Yeah, I think they, in the future. I think they got married because she has a ring on her finger. Oh, yeah. Okay, yes. And yes. They bought a house. Right. I think all the events of the finale with Ray coming to the island and rescuing her and they knowing about Will that he was the fisherman's son and it was all like an evil plan so I think it was fun to see that that ending and I do believe that Ben Willis died with Julie shooting him I think later on when they got married she's still traumatized of course because not only the events of the first movie but this time she lost some friends she was betrayed by a a dear friend that it was Will so I think it's all part of her nightmares but I'm I'm sure she's she's safe that is a traumatic event I'm 
sure you even if it's years later you're still gonna have these issues if you're a good decent person like julie is who is sensitive and twice this happened to her yeah i would never get over it myself if that happened yeah but we do end with a possible she's being pulled under the bed by the fisherman but like kadu says we hope that he really is truly dead and i remember watching a, an interview with the screenwriter and he said that it was possibly a nightmare so i i think julie's okay yay okay julie is alive which actually leads to your idea for a third movie what do you got yeah i always wanted to see a third movie following the steps of halloween h2o like 25 30 years later a new group of friends and they would get involved in a car accident maybe a hit and run and the victim was badly injured maybe paralyzed so the case goes to court and they hire julie to represent them julie would be working as a lawyer now and her involvement in the case would draw attention from the media and a copycat killer would try to duplicate the fisherman going after the kids and even julie so maybe the killer could be a family member or of the injured victim or even some court junkie i think it would be an interesting idea that's fantastic because there must be a legend now of what happened to julie back in the 90s because you know the kids in the town were talking about urban legends in the past but now this was something that really happened that had to have been in the news i'm sure yeah. so people would know julie and they would know the circumstances and i'm sure julie would try to forget her past just working and being a lawyer and when this case comes to her i think she can't run away you know maybe because it brings memories but i think she feels the need to help that would be a fantastic way for them to show that she's been struggling almost like the laurie strode in halloween 2018 yeah where you see where it affects the person's life years later years i mean from the 70s to 2018 we had laurie yeah, strode 40 years later still affected i think it's a sequel that can work anytime because as you said halloween 2018 came 40 years later so the possible sequel to a i know what you did last summer can easily come 30 years later we are so ready for it come on jennifer love i'm sure she would do it too yeah I think so too. Oh, I hope that happens. And I hope anyone out there listening to this, this is a script. This is the way you should go. If you have somebody working in Hollywood, please pitch this idea. I give you my blessing. Well, of course, you heard it here first. You have to give Carlos. Give him a cameo. Let him spin around. What are you waiting for? <laughs> So all these years later, how would you sum up your love of this franchise? I think they are very important films to me because I grew up with them. And as I said before, I played with my friends. I, I am inspired as an artist. So I think it has a huge place in my heart. And I'm, I'm so blessed to watch it as a kid. And even all these years later, it still holds up. It, it might not be the, the most amazing horror movie in history, but this is truly top 90s horror at its best. Yeah, so true. So thank you so much for coming back and bringing your amazing enthusiasm about these movies and your amazing ideas. Where can the lovely people find you, Carlos? First of all, thank you for having me. It's always a blast. People can find me on Instagram at Kaduluongu. And yeah, that's it. He might have some surprises. He's always making beautiful short films, especially if you're a horror fan. Yeah. Check it out. And you can reach the Radical Retro Rewind podcast 
all one word radical retro podcast on instagram thank you again and next week we will be back with an all new episode of the radical retro rewind and remember don't drink and drive yes that is a great message bye (laughs) what are you waiting for huh what are you waiting for When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.